0: Welcome back, everybody, to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. I am Lisa Linky, one half of your captains. What was it on the cruise ship? Your, your <laughs> community <laughs> your director, years. activity director... <laughs> I'm one half of your activities director on the cruise ship For of your Self-Help. Mind. Yeah, (laughs) And across from me, across town on my Zoom, is Misty at the other activities director on the cruise ship of your mind in the sea of (laughs) self-help genres. That's it. Nailed Uh, it. We're here every week reviewing a book (laughs) and telling you the ups and downs, the ins and outs, the lefts, the rights, all of it. The yeebies and the boobies. She hates when I say say that. And uh, in under an hour, you'll know the main points of the book and whether or not it's a good fit for you. and if you want to support the author by the book or if it's a total uh, shit show dumpster fire and you should avoid it at all costs we're falling on the proverbial sword for you and we do this in service of you and for you because this sea is choppy these some rough waters my friends the The storm was angry that day yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's ow (laughs) and we do cuss this is an explicit podcast that's our Friday Oops. episodes, a Full Frontal Friday. And on Tuesdays, we have our follow-up episodes, our weekly beefs, where we uh, supplement with anything and everything that isn't a book in the genre of self-help. It could be trivia, it could be special guests or articles or just, you know, snippets and snuggets of everything. Who knows? Snoggets. This is the kind of content you all keep coming back for. Exactly. And we say you're welcome. In year three. <laughs> we no longer include the homework that we might assign one another in our weekly beeves. Mm-hmm. Those are found. I said weekly beaves. I was about to call it out and what? I just it sat so uncomfortably weekly in beefs. my chest. The beaves and the beaves. The I feel beefs. like we've said that before. Anyway, that's now on our Patreon. We have a Patreon, and we love our <laughs> patrons. We're having amazing communications and discussions uh, off it's of our deep so dive.
1: Well, it really feels like we're just like friends with everybody. We are. Who's a pa- we? I mean, obviously, we are, but like truly, like
0: forming we're like a lot about deep each other friendships. Yeah. yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah uh, so you so can fun. learn more about that at patreon.com uh slash uh, g. G H Y? No. Patreon.com go slash help go yourself. help yourself.
1: Link I was is talking in show about notes.
0: our bookshop.org dashboard. And that's at bookshop.org slash. Listen, we've G-H-Y. got
1: but a profile for all of it. And whatever you want, we'll provide <laughs> we it. 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 We're
0: here for you. Because we also that. have merch. Cause I'm wearing my life is abundant sweatshirt that I've for. I'm wearing for my tiny
1: pocket friend shirt.
0: Days. And I didn't even plan that. Get your merch. Get your merch. Anyway, that's yeah. the tip top. Now, yeah. let's get to today. Misty. Hi. Well, I just want to say it's so good to be
1: back. And I have really enjoyed the guest presenters so far, like Andy, Sarah, Kate. They're, they all bring such a different flavor. And it's delightful for me to see you in context with other people. Yeah. And I feel like I'm getting to know you better. And it's really nice. Like, an episode pops up in my inbox. I'm like, oh, I don't know this book. Like, this is exciting to just kind of be like a listener of the podcast. So I just think everyone's been doing such a great job. And it occurred to me, Lise, that, I mean, I am absolutely benefiting from what's happening too, because I know that you asked your coven to come on and present self-help books so that you could give yourself space to grieve. Yeah. And I love that so much. And I just want you to know I'm benefiting from your grief <laughs> because Grinefits? work has been <laughs> benefits. Thank you. No, I think uh,
0: benefits, but I do love benefits.
1: I, yeah, we're grief with benefits because I've just been so burnt out. And yeah. I'm sure we're all hitting like the 11th or 12th pandemic wall but everything is taking me five times as long to do. Like even my notes for today's episode took me like four hours. And I was like, what is
0: happening? I truly feel like I have ADHD. I cannot get through one thing without doing three other things. It's really- Oh,
1: but I can't focus on any of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so I just wanted to say that and just to acknowledge that you and I have never taken a break from this podcast. This podcast has run continually rain or shine pandemic- protesting yep. coups, attempted coups in America, Holidays, regardless, yep. you know, for two and a quarter years and going. And yeah. so maybe next time we invent a
0: podcast, we should do seasons. So anyway, let me tell well, you we about We did build <laughs> in some breaks for us, but the breaks we built in were to work on the podcast.
1: Yes. And- to get those breaks, we're like, cool, we got to double record for like I four know. weeks. <laughs> oh, not,
0: not, know, the, the things we do. Anyway. For love! All right. Tell Thank me, Misty, you. what you got for us today?
1: Okay. So I am presenting today, just very casually, uh-huh, uh-huh. the number one New York Times bestseller, Designing Your Life. How Ugh. to Build a Well-Lived Joyful Life by Ugh. Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. I already feel overwhelmed. I already feel burnout. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> do, you know, it's a task. This book comes with a task and a promise. Okay. And I, I want to be really upfront. I sat down to do my notes and I was like, this is going to be a two-parter. Okay, Because I cannot possibly give you... What is valuable about designing your life in less than an hour? We're not going to do it. It's going to take a few hours, but for our podcast, it's going to take less than two yeah. and it's going to be a two-parter. Okay, but it. what's cool about that, we can go
0: a little bit more into the nitty gritty, right, of each chapter than we could have normally. I get to have my, my anger about each chapter and what I don't like about it rather than being like, we got to plow through, keep going. <laughs> you might love it. You might love it, and listen, you your, your optimism life a is endearing.
1: You know, you are you are a positive person, and you know, and a, a person All right. who believes in creative alternatives to life.
0: I so, listen. I'm very excited for this for your telling of this book. <laughs> talk to me. Talk to me about it. Okay, I love that. If you had to sum it up in one sentence, what would you say?
1: This book is your guide to exploring and designing the life you want. Who doesn't love that tagline? Me. All right. (laughs) Tell me more. what if it was possible, Lisa? Get curious. Okay. So the hardcover is just under $25 on bookshop.org. The paperback. I couldn't find a paperback copy. And this was published in 2016. It's not that kind of book. It's not. That's confusing. We got to say it in a different way. It's not that kind of book. It's not that kind of book. <laughs> it's not that kind it's not a paperback book. It's not a it's not that kind um, of book. It's not a paper book. It's only made of diamonds. So the Kindle <laughs> is $13.99 on Amazon. The audiobook is $14.99 with a membership on Libro.fm. And on the Overdrive app, it is free, at least in my area. And I got both the audiobook and the digital book in about three weeks that way. But mm-hmm. you betcha. I'm also holding a hard copy, and I did buy the audiobook when I couldn't make it through the hard copy. Okay. Okay, okay, there we go. <laughs> I've really attempted this book for like a couple months now. So my first impressions: the book is super practical. Every single chapter has an exercise, a how-to guide, evidence-based practices, which is cool. Okay. And it's 269 pages, or just about six and a half hour audiobook. Okay. And it was really interesting because it's co-written by two men, which I'll tell you about in a second. And both of the authors take turns narrating every other chapter, which was really interesting because I hadn't heard that before. Mm-hmm. So,
0: about the authors. Oh, wait, didn't the
1: Nagasaki sisters do that? Oh, they did. Thank you. Everyone, please welcome our third host, Pandemic Brain. Pandemic Brain is here to make us all forget everything we're saying and
0: look like assholes. Go help okay. yourself is sponsored by pandemic. <laughs> pandemic brain jelly. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> spread it on toast tastes like shit. Bill Burnett is the executive director <laughs> of the design program at Stanford, as well as an adjunct oh. professor in mechanical engineering. Lisa has taken her glasses. Right. He's
0: smart. <laughs> I get it. He's smart.
1: He got his bachelor's of science and his master's of science in product design at Stanford and has worked professionally on a wide variety of projects ranging from award-winning Apple PowerBooks to the original Hasbro Star Wars action figures. He holds a number of mechanical and design patents and design awards for a variety of products, including the first slate computer. In addition to his duties at Stanford, he is on the board of Voz, which means voice in Spanish, which is a socially responsible high fashion startup and advises several internet startup companies. Which I thought was really interesting. It's like, how do you design Star Wars action figures and high fashion? But I say yes. He's designing his life. Dave Evans, the other author, is a lecturer at the product design program at Stanford, as well as a management consultant and co-founder of Electronic Arts. Having participated in forming the corporate cultures at Apple and Electronic Arts, Dave decided his best work was in helping organizations build creative environments where people could do great work and love doing it. So he went out on his own, working with startup teams, corporate executives, nonprofit leaders, and countless young adults. They were all asking the same question, what should I do with my life? Helping people get traction on that question finally took Dave to Cal and Stanford and continues to be his life's work. Dave holds a BS and MS in mechanical engineering from Stanford and a graduate diploma in contemplative spirituality from San Francisco Theological Seminary. So there's a lot happening between these two authors and the big brains.
0: Okay. Okay. So I need to be honest with you. My first jobby job after I graduated and waited tables was working as a a Salesforce training specialist for engineers, Mm. mechanical engineers and sales Mm. engineers. And I really value the way engineers think, but boy, oh boy, do they have a very specific way of thinking.
1: Oh yeah. You're gonna, we're we're gonna dive deep into that pool, baby. So let me give you the contents of the book. Mm. Introduction, Life by Design, Mm -hmm. chapter one start where you are. Chapter two, building a compass. Three, wayfinding. Four, getting unstuck. Five, design your lives. Six, prototyping. Seven, how not to get a job. Eight, designing your dream job. Nine, choosing happiness. Ten, failure immunity. Eleven, building a team. What do you hate about
0: that? I just have, I have preconceived notions. And as you heard in Kate Cohen's episode, I have GER General Initial Resistance.
1: Sure. But also, I will tell you later on why I love the Choosing Happiness chapter so much. Because it was like it was written directly to me. It was simultaneously upsetting and very helpful. (laughs) I'm
0: so happy.
1: I'm so happy. Okay. 11, chapter 11 is building a team and then conclusion, a well-designed life, baby. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay, so this book is all about design thinking. Mm -hmm. Design thinking is when you have a desired outcome, let's say in this case, oh, I don't know, a life that you love, but you don't have the solution, So for example, they talk about how tech designers were first trying to figure out how to make computing easier. And there were a bunch of ideas and a bunch of prototypes for how to do this before they finally settled on the mouse. But there were a bunch of solutions to this problem. Mm -hmm. It just happened Mm -hmm. to be that the mouse worked best. So they say that design thinking is an amazing way to approach life because you build your way forward. You get curious, you try lots of things, and you fail often. Because ultimately, that will get you many different solutions to your desired outcome, not just one. So I want to read you a little quote from the introduction. In life design, we reframe a lot. The biggest reframe is that your life can't be perfectly planned, and there isn't just one solution to your life, and that that's a good thing. There are many designs for your life, all filled with hope for the kind of creative and unfolding reality that makes life worth living into. Your life is not a thing. It's an experience. The fun comes from designing and enjoying the experience. The reframe for the question, what do you want to be when you grow up, is this. Who or what do you want to grow into? Life is all about growth and change. It's not static. It's not about some destination. It's not about answering the question once and for all, and then it's done. Nobody really knows what he or she wants to be, even those who checked a box for doctor, lawyer, or engineer. These are just vague directions on a life path. There are so many questions that persist at every step of the way. What people need is a process, a design process for figuring out what they want, whom they want to grow into, and how to create a life they love. So that's kind of setting the tone for the book and the sort of mental space, which at every single chapter, they keep encouraging you brainstorm more options. Find more solutions, think even more creatively once you've thought about the obvious and
0: safe choices. So, yeah, listen, I, need to I was already things. on board. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love design thinking. I'm a huge fan of the company IDEO, IDEO, which uses a multitude of disciplines to approach a problem strategically. And they really, I hate the phrase, think outside the box, but they really look at all angles. And I, I love that. There's a great case study by them years ago by 2020. And like, you know, if they're the the thing on 2020 is like they're designing a new shopping cart or maybe it was Dateline, but they talk to like sociologists, like they talk to anthropologists, like they have sociologists and anthropologists on staff as well as, you know, engineers and design engineers, et cetera. So I I love that. And you're always going to, you need more and more ideas. I will say this on the flip side, in particular in uh, Silicon Valley and in tech, there is such a dearth of diversity that it is i feel compelled to say this idea that the best the best outcome arises is a falsehood because there's no there's not accurate representation
1: yeah so there i totally hear you and i agree i think we're talking about two different things because they never said the best idea will arise and it's
0: from Silicon Valley, right? And well, what when they you're actually like the mouse is the best design; it's the best one that came forward. You had oh, that's no, no women, sorry, that's
1: me. That's me. pair.
0: That was Misty Stinnett paraphrasing, not them. I, I'm with you, but what I'm saying is like they have benefited from decades of a lack of sourcing multiple multiple ideas from different from different perspectives?
1: Sure. I'm going to push back again because in this book, they literally include an entire section on how important it is to have diverse perspectives on your team and how when you are building your own life design team, you need to get every kind of person, every kind of life experience on there. You need to try all these different things because they were like, Every single person is going to consider something that you didn't. If you surround yourself just with like minded people or people who look the same or have okay, the same good. experience, you're not going to get that. So they literally include that in the book, which is why I'm feeling defensive of these particular authors. I totally agree with you about Silicon Valley and all that stuff. But keep in mind, these are guys who are working with like thousands of students at Stanford yeah. every single year and consulting, you know, so they really do see. All sorts of walks of life for sure. Yeah. But that's a great, that's a great point. And I know Silicon Valley's got a long way to go. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> for sure. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So they say that problem finding and problem solving equals a well-designed life. And so remember they said that designers love reframes. And something I really enjoyed about this book is that all throughout they have these little boxes that pop up. And they say dysfunctional belief and they list the dysfunctional belief followed by a helpful reframe. So for example, just two in the introduction are these. Dysfunctional belief, if you are successful, you will be happy. Reframe, true happiness comes from designing a life that works for you. Second dysfunctional belief, it's too late. Reframe, it's never too late to design a life you love. Like if you're listening to this and you are coming up on retirement, maybe there's an encore career you've always wanted to try. You know, Mm -hmm. this could be that. Mm -hmm. So I really loved this because it really did feel like it, these are kind of universal approaches to finding the specificity of what's going to work for each individual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And throughout, they give a lot of examples through evidence-based stories, and studies, and I just really appreciated that. It's not. It's not like think and grow rich, or yeah, that's Napoleon Hill, right? Where he's mm-hmm. like, one time I was talking to President Roosevelt, and you're mm-hmm. like, you can't back that up, and that makes no sense, right? Right. Okay. So to approach designing your life, we need to implement some design thinking principles. So the authors say that these are the five key mindsets for design and designing your life. Number one, curiosity. This helps you by getting good at being lucky and seeing opportunities. Because if you're curious, you're going to be exploring a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Number two, bias to action, a.k.a. try stuff. This is a commitment to moving forward rather than just sitting on the bench. So designers try many things and test things, and they fail a lot. A lot, yeah. There's an embracing of change and a lack of attachment to a particular outcome. Okay. The focus is on what comes next, not the final result. Okay. Number three, reframe problems. Reframing helps you get unstuck and make sure you are working on the right problem. It helps you step back, examine biases, and open up new solution spaces. Number four, know it's a process. Life is messy. It can seem like one step forward, two back. Mistakes will be made and prototypes will be thrown away. Let go of first ideas and good but not great solutions. Sometimes amazing results can emerge from the mess. Life design is a journey. Let go of the end goal and focus on the process and see what happens next. Number five, ask for help. Ask others for help. Radical collaboration is key. Make a team and ask good questions. And they walk you through all of those. And in case you were curious, you might be thinking, oh, life design, maybe I'll follow my passion. Well, here's what they have to say about passion. And this reminded me of what we learned in Cal Newport's book, So Good They Can't Ignore You. The authors say that they found research that shows that passion comes after trying something, discovering it, liking it, and developing mastery. This means passion is the result of a good life design, not the cause. Worse still, the vast majority, about 80% of people, don't know what they are passionate about. And the authors say they don't approve of a method that leaves out 80% of the population. Mm -hmm. So in truth, most people are passionate about many different things. And the only way to know what they want to do is to prototype some potential lives, try them out, and see what really resonates with them.
0: Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the foundation. How are we feeling so far? I mean— I'm going to be honest, like I had a conversation earlier today. I think this book is hitting you at the perfect time and it's hitting me at the worst time. Oh, it's okay. I'm sorry. I didn't read it, thank God. But like, <laughs> you know, it's hitting you at the perfect time when you are really contemplating like the life that you want to to build for yourself, right? Like mm-hmm. the life yep. that you want to design. Absolutely.
1: It's truly perfect. Yeah. It was recommended to me by someone
0: cuz they knew I was exactly. struggling with that. And yeah. I am I'm going to just start crying. Like, I'm coming up on 12 months of no work that is not by yeah. my design and out of my control, and yeah. having to accept work that I don't like and not having yeah. any say in it. And I mean, really not having any control over it. And it's not because of yeah. a lack of passion or a lack of clarity. And it's not about lack of choice. Yeah. Like, And I know that they didn't write this book with a pandemic in mind, but I was having a conversation earlier this morning with a friend about, like, imagine if you were just graduating college, you know? Or I imagine myself if I was just starting my improv journey right before the pandemic. All these improv theaters are closed. Like, that avenue would be closed to me. And that is Mm -hmm. not by my choice and not about my passion. So I think it's just just hitting me in the wrong space today. And I, I love what they're saying about Exploring, I really do. It's very improvisational mm-hmm. in nature, but I think it's just. It feels a little. In the in the room that we're in right now, it feels a mm. little tone deaf because it's like I can't design my way out of a wage gap. I can't design my way out of systemic yeah. racism. I can't design my way yeah. out of a and pandemic. They, yeah, and they address that stuff too. Yeah, even if they address it, it doesn't. Yeah, it it feels it it feels hard for me today but that doesn't mean that it's yeah. not a good book and I'm so glad you're reading it. and I'm glad it spoke to you well, i got to look for a clean house. Oh, and it doesn't Liz. I can't design my way out of grief Misty I'm sorry oh, I don't mean to be sorry. crying
1: you like have this. nothing to be sorry for
0: you know what I mean like I can't control I those things and I, I know that's not what they're saying but it just feels very like I'm assuming that they're white and that could be wrong but It just feels like two white white They're two white men. You just just design the life you want. And I know that's not what they're saying. Like, it's hard and it takes work and it takes time. But yeah, I don't know. I'm very tender today and it's just hitting me wrong. I just want to say
1: thank you so much for sharing that. And I think, first of all, thank you for being here when you have all of that just sitting right under the surface. And ladies and gentlemen and all genders, Lisa Linky's fucking dedication to this podcast knows no bounds. <laughs> also,
0: people so should know because they can't see me here. I have a huge allergic reaction on my face. My face is just like flaming brightly. It looks red. like you
1: are so sunburned. Oh, and it is really my
0: birthday. I was like, I feel like I'm sunburned.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember that's you saying exactly that when happens. we did the virtual escape room, but I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you don't, like, what? It was an allergic reaction yeah. on the face, which just feels like such a kick in the tits. Yeah.
0: So point. I'm I'm just grateful well, that I have this space with you and with our tiny pocket friends. And yeah, you know, for anybody who's ever, I think our longtime loyal listeners know that I'm just contrary by nature. I don't like people telling me yeah. what to do, so I'm always gonna question yeah. them. But I yeah. think also, like right now, after a year of this, ooh, it's Listen, everything is truly taking me 10 times
1: as long as it was even like two months ago. And I also just want to say that like in an effort to soften this particular book review for you, and, and I know like your strategy brain is going designing your life and they've said X, Y, and Z so far, it must be this. But they do get to places where they're like, what if you couldn't do the job that you love tomorrow? Like what would an alternate life plan look like? And how could how could we take steps to design that in a way that still hits
0: all the spots you want to hit with the things that
1: make you feel good? Acknowledging
0: it, I already feel less anxious about it and like less resistance. I just had to speak it, you know? Thank you. No, I think that's beautiful. I think this is something that people don't Understand about doing a podcast like this is that
1: oh my god if
0: you don't want to read a, po- a book you don't but we do we commit and then we start reading it or <laughs> we're here for the you know like when we sit down we for have Bruce designed Bryans. this problem <laughs> we, into our life. we have but it doesn't take away our general emotions and reactions to it so I just want to say thank it you it doesn't and for making that sense.
1: no problem and I can't remember if I was saying this to you yesterday or. A couple days ago, or someone else, but I was like, I think I'm done. Like, I think I've ingested all the self help I can possibly. Yeah, just like I'm done working on myself for now. You know, like I have to take a break. Just finished, and as we said at the top of this episode, we have not yet. So, yeah, maybe season two we'll do another 250
0: episodes. (laughs) It's really been when an we incredible journey. So far, when we hit the big five hundred, we'll give ourselves a week off. <laughs> oh my! God. It's literally, it's like so on brand for us. We're like, we'll set up a merch shop after two hundred episodes. Anyway, like, are you kidding? Thank me? you for letting me have this ball session. I feel very better. No, thank- I, I said I feel very better. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this podcast is brought to you by Pandemic. <laughs>
1: Who knew that a side effect of grief was making you very
0: dorky? I didn't know that. Oh God, thank you. Uh, and thank you as <laughs> always. Everybody, something I love about this podcast is that people get to see what a truly kind, generous, giving and just comforting space you are. And and I'm so lucky mm-hmm. to call you a friend.
1: Lisa, you are so lucky to call me a
0: friend. <laughs> Shit, your earbuds fell off. Oh, now I started my iTunes because I touched a button. Here we go. <laughs> Listen,
1: <sighs> welcome to the pandemic. No, Lisa, you, I truly learned from the best. Like, you taught me how to hold space. So, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> like, what's that saying? It's like, well, I'm rubber and you're glue and whatever you say. <laughs> bounces off me and sticks to you. Okay, thank uh, you. Thank you. Okay, but thank you for this because I think this is such a visceral experience yeah. of why you have to be careful about what, what you're bringing into your home and your mind yeah. and your body. Even if it's a great and book when and it's
0: well-intentioned.
1: A, yes, it can really hurt, you know? Yeah. Or if you give someone the wrong self-help book at the wrong time, it can really hurt. Yeah. And like, there are absolutely books that people swear by that I'm like, it didn't do a goddamn thing for me. It made me angry. And it's just,
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just, <laughs> Lisa says with the biggest smiles, Because you know that's what happens for me. A hundred percent. And so okay. it's like,
1: yeah. So I just say, everybody be gentle with ourselves. If you read one page of a book and you want to throw it out and burn it, that is your prerogative. Sorry. And that can be a lesson in self-care and boundaries. <laughs> worth more than
0: (laughs) that was like a defiant (laughs) that's the fuck you bullhorn okay okay thank you i'm ready i'm ready here i am okay so chapter one (laughs) i do need to do a time check 32 minutes in chapter
1: one Listen, I told you it'd be a two parter. So tune in next week for the review of the book.
0: This may be our first three parter.
1: <laughs> Could you imagine? Three farter. Okay, now that we've recovered. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I just, just, my love for you knows no bounds. Same. And I'm talking to Lisa and I'm talking to all of you. Same. I Except love you. one of you.
0: And you know who Except you are. Except one of you.
1: And if you don't know who you are, you're the one. So. Okay, chapter Juan. <laughs> Chapter one, before knowing which direction to head in, you need to know which design problems you are trying to solve. Okay. The same is true in lifestyle design. Deciding which problems to work on, everybody, may be one of the most important decisions you ever make because some people spend years working on the wrong problems. And remember,
0: yeah. (laughs) I was looking for a man the whole time. And I should have been feng shuiing my place.
1: Yeah, no. He was like, it might sound silly, but you can't solve a relationship problem with, at work and you can't solve a family problem with a diet. You know, like, yeah, was like it sounds silly, yes, but no, it's we true. see it all the time. Yeah. And remember, it does not matter how amazing your solutions are if you're working on the wrong problems. So they use one of the authors. Real life experience is an example. So this is Dave's experience. Okay. Dave saw Jacques Cousteau on TV when he was young and thought he was destined to be a marine biologist. <laughs> Lisa's losing her mind. So he started studying biology in college because Stanford didn't offer marine biology, but he didn't really like it. He thought the problem was that he just needed to work on some really hefty research and then he'd be interested. So he started working in labs, but he was still miserable. His classmates and friends pointed out to him how miserable he was and that he wasn't very good at it. But Dave didn't want to give up on this idea that his destiny was to be a marine biologist. And he'd had some encouragement along the way from like a teacher who made marine biology really interesting. So he just really thought this is my identity. He spent almost three years working to solve the wrong problem, and it took him that long to see what everyone else saw in about two weeks. He finally transferred to mechanical engineering and has been pretty successful and happy ever since. Building robot fish. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) In a plasma marine layer. So, I don't even know if that's a thing. So how do you decide which problems to work on? Great question, Lisa. Thank you. Well, every chapter in this book offers one or several practical exercises to help. Okay. So you can start by reflecting on the core areas of your life. Because remember, it's life design. It's not just like career design. Right, right. So the four areas they recommend reflecting on are health, work, play, and love. And you can think of each as a gas tank. And rank where you are, zero to full on
0: each of the gauges. So they literally give you a little graphic to fill out. I was like, and rank where you are on which one is most ready to explode and needs to be addressed first. That's right. Which one needs to go to the mechanic
1: for emergency intervention, which feels like where we are now. So they have a little graphic, and you can literally fill out, you know, like empty to full on each mm-hmm. gauge so that you have this visual picture of it. Then you can ask if there is a design problem in any of the areas that you'd like to tackle. So work, play, love, health. If you're like, okay, my play gauge, which I looked at, I was like, oh my God, my play gauge is almost empty. So mm-hmm. that's a problem for me because I need a lot of play. And how how the hell do we play in a pandemic? Go to the park for the 5 millionth time. Like, I love the park. I'm so grateful. But also, is there anything else? Mm-hmm. You can't go to the park if you're in the middle of a polar vortex, you know, yeah. like so much of the country has been in. But yeah. anyway, you can ask yourself, is there a design problem that I'd like to tackle? And then ask yourself if that problem is a gravity problem. So this, I think you'll really like this, Lisa. Okay. Anything that is not actionable is a gravity problem. Just like gravity, which is all around us and pulling on us all the time. You can't, and you can't change it. You can't. You There's no, there is nothing you can do, you know? But if you're like, I don't know, I'm a biker and I just want less gravity. It would just make my life a lot easier going up those hills. Like, that's not something that you should spend your time trying to solve. Right. So if you focus on gravity problems, you will continue to run into walls and be disappointed. So when you've identified something that's a gravity problem, and here was my brainstorm, like, I don't know, I want to be a surgeon, but I faint at the sight of blood.
0: Right, sure, sure, (laughs) sure, sure, sure.
1: Once you accept that there are gravity problems around you, then you are free to spend your time on something that is actionable. And something I really loved about this is they have this amazing caveat on page 10, about social justice problems, Mm. because they were like, they can often feel like gravity problems, like the wage gap, like injustice, like systemic racism. So rather than, you know, focusing on saying like, try trying to change everyone's mind in the country about racial justice, you can then be actionable about policies you can change. Right, right, right. You know, you can focus. So I really loved that because I was like, ooh, this is It's hard to acknowledge there are gravity problems, but you can see how that's freeing.
0: And I really
1: appreciated the intersectional caveat there. It's
0: also, I do too, it's reminding me of Kate Cohen's book, A Review of Essentialism, where, you know, it's finding the thing that's most prioritization to you. You know, what is your priority Mm -hmm. in that sense? And so, like, obviously they're saying gravity problems can't be a priority, right? Like you know, you could, you know, what, what is executable and what, so that's, I'm kind of having some flashbacks to that is what I'm saying. Yeah, totally.
1: No. And I really liked that episode a lot. And also it's like, yeah, so say your highest priority is becoming an Olympic skier, but like you live in Hawaii, you know, like that's going to be, I guess that's not a gravity problem. That's just a harder. And you're 104 years old. So Chapter two, building a compass. Okay. So now that you have a sense of where you're starting from, you know how your gauges are looking, it's time that you build a compass, which you can also think about as a conscious set of values that will guide you through answering big and fundamental questions in life. So here they suggest that your compass be composed of two things, a work view and a life view. And they literally ask that you sit down and journal with prompts they give you about each of these. So for your work view, they say this will help you discover and answer questions like, what is work
0: for? Why do you do it? What makes work good? I what? just imagine journaling like, what is work? Why work? Work who? <laughs> <laughs> Feels like a Nick Kroll sketch. Yeah. Why work? Um, what work? Yeah. Yeah. Who work? Yeah, for sure. How work. How work. So the goal...
1: Totally. My work. I have become I have become work. I become work, yeah. Death becomes work. The goal is to develop a philosophy of work. It's the idea that you will be more satisfied and less likely to feel that others are designing your life when you have your own work view. And I don't know about anybody else listening, but I have never consciously asked myself, like... What is work actually for other than earning money or maybe like being of service in some kind of way? Like, I've never gotten really intentional. I have these vague ideas.
0: Well, you just kind of adopt whatever your family's viewpoint and your, you know, whoever your kind of primary caregivers were, whatever their viewpoints, you've probably adopted those, which are highly institutionalized, patriarchal, and capitalistic if you live in America.
1: Yeah. And like essentialism. If you don't prioritize your own life, someone else will prioritize it for you. That's if you don't right. get clear on what you want, other, you know, it's so easy for someone to be like, "Well, come work over here for me," you mm-hmm. know, and how do you know if you're ever doing what's what you really want to do? So, your life view is your ideas about the world and how it works by answering questions like, "What gives life meaning? What makes life worthwhile or valuable for me? How does my life compare to the state of the world, you know, Mm -hmm. they give you all these prompts so that you can really get clear on this. So the goal is that once you've done this journaling, you will now have this compass by which to help you design your life to make it feel more coherent and in line with your own values. So for example, if you work at a company that does not value work-life balance, you can compare that to the values on your compass and decide if you really want to work there rather than just going like, oh, well, it's a great salary and it's a great company, so I should work there. Yeah. So I thought that was great. And once you have articulated your work view and your life view, you can answer the following questions. Where do your views on work and life complement each other? Does one drive the other? If so, how? So chapter three is wayfinding. Okay. Quote, wayfinding is the ancient art of figuring out where you are going when you don't actually know your destination. For Mm. wayfinding, you need a compass and you need a direction, not a map, a direction. So with the compass you just made, you should pay attention to the clues in front of you, clues of your engagement and energy. And you can Mm. do this by keeping what they call a good time journal, where you track your engagement and energy. That sounds disgusting. Yeah, baby. Oh yeah, it would to you. (laughs) They ask you to log some daily activities for about three weeks to try to figure out what activities in your daily life are energizing versus draining and whether you're in flow or not. The point here is to do more wayfinding towards specific destinations and figure out what works versus what doesn't work for you. Also, this activity and the next will help you move off the idea of finding the one right idea and towards the design philosophy of needing lots of ideas to explore many possibilities. And something they do point out many times in the book is like, how often do we get attached to the first solution that we come up with? Oh, many times. Yeah. And it starts when we're, you know, very young. What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. I guess a lawyer a lawyer. And then you're like, okay, I'm a lawyer now. Like, that's the time. Okay, mean, but I do need to middle. say,
0: if a, if a four-year-old or five-year-old said to me, I don't know, I guess uh, a lawyer, <laughs> I might sit down and counsel them a little bit because they don't sound too invested in it.
1: I mean, in my mind, I went mermaid, firefighter. And then I was like, no, just keep going. And that's what I landed on. I'm a marine biologist. So as you work on your reflections in the Good Time Journal, try using the AEIOU method to get more out of your observations. AEIOU stands for activities. So what were you actually doing? Was this a structured or an unstructured activity? Did you have a specific role to play or just a participant? E, environments, what kind of place was it? How did it make you feel? I, interactions, what were you interacting with, people or machines? Was it formal or informal? O, objects, were you interacting with any objects or devices? What were the objects that created or supported your feeling engaged? You, users, who else was there and what role did they play? And I really liked this because they use a story of somebody who thought he really didn't like his work but it turned out he loved his work. He hated the like meeting drudgery of the bureaucracy sure. of it. And so this is why these specific questions can be really powerful. Because when you're like, oh, no, I just need to lean more into this type of the work I'm already doing, that can be really
0: helpful to you. Yeah, I, I think that's really smart. I love their determining factors of those A E I O U. I did try to guess them all, and I was wrong on every Oh, you every did? Oh, in letter. your brain? Oh, I wish
1: mm-hmm. you'd guessed them out loud. I would have loved I should have. I should have. should have.
0: Chapter four, getting
1: unstuck. So inevitably people get stuck in their lives, stuck in a career that they don't like, or they attend school without knowing their interests. So when you're stuck, it's best not to jump to your next best option, but rather to generate lots of ideas and then pick the one that resonates the most with you. So they say in life design, more is better because more ideas equal access to better ideas and better ideas lead to a better design. So to get unstuck, you do your good time journal for three weeks and then you create a mind map for three activities, one with the highest engagement, the highest energy, and one that had the highest flow. And then they talk you through that and napkin sketching so that you can kind of design your way into potential jobs or a role that's around those areas. So just Google mind map if you want a visual of that because it's yeah. it's a little beautiful mind. I know what
0: mind mapping is.
1: Thank you. So now that we've got, we know what our values are. We know kind of a few of the activities that we're engaged in. We've got our compass. We understand the design process. This is the part of the book, chapter five, that's all about actually designing your life and how to move forward into that. And I hate to say this, but if you want to hear about that, you're going to have to tune in next
0: week to part <gasps> two of Designing Cliffhanger. Life. For people tuning in on the day, but people who are binging in the future, they're, they can just go right to the next episode.
1: Instant satisfaction. So I do hate to, to leave it there, but now you can see why this needs to be a two-parter. Like
0: there's just so much yeah. philosophy
1: that goes into Also, this. there was
0: not time for my breakdown if we did tried to cram it all in one.
1: Yeah, so let's all collectively blame Lisa and <laughs> let her know that we'd know how to design our lives if she just hadn't cried that one time, okay? Thank you. Um, Thank you. Okay,
0: great. So in the interim, I'm assuming <laughs> no homework on the first part. No, no homework on the first part, but
1: definitely some stuff to think about on the second part. And in the meantime, if any of you are have done any of this, oh my God, please email us at GoHelpYourselfPodcast yeah. at gmail.com and we will see you next week.
0: Yeah, thanks everybody. Life, Life is, is abundant. abundant. Bye. Bye. Go Help Yourself was produced by Misty Stinnett and Lisa Linky. Our theme song was written by the inimitable Matt Sav. Inimitable.
1: There's nothing we love more than hearing from you. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at gohelpyourselfpodcast on Instagram and at G-H-Y podcast on Twitter. And you can go old school and check out our website at gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. It basically is a fancy PowerPoint slide. If you liked our podcast, please <laughs> subscribe, rate, and review because it